It's Wednesday, May 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Aaron Bush. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here. Aaron, our first show together, Aaron. This is exciting. Thrilling. Yeah, this is great. What a show we have, guys. We're going to talk Snap, Facebook, and crypto. I mean, come on. That is a show in itself. That is a show. Just the intro. Just the intro. But let's begin with Apple. Shares of Apple up around 4% at the time of our taping. Apple reporting earnings after the market closed yesterday. Guys, here's some highlights. 52.2 million iPhones sold for the quarter. And that was actually slightly below expectations. So just let that sink in. Yeah. Slightly disappointing. Um, Apple also announced that it's buying back 100 billion, that's with a B, in stock, and they're raising their dividend. Andy, what caught your attention? Well, yeah, that iPhone number, Mac, is, I mean, it was, it was slightly less than what analysts had expected by like, I don't know, 50,000 phones or something, Aaron. I mean, so the, just, it was almost ridiculous to think about like how much they may have missed. The numbers that they put up this quarter are staggering. So sales up 16%, earnings per share up 30%. Their service revenues were up 31%, and now make up 15% of the total. So $9.2 billion, that's the services. And wearable revenues were up 50%. As well, and even those iPhone sales, the numbers you mentioned, Mac, iPhone sales for the first half of the year were 100 billion, and that was up 14 percent. And their average order, because of the iPhone 10, went to 728 dollars from 655 dollars. But the buyback, what investors are getting, Mac? So everyone's getting a little bit in this earnings quarter, but the investors, like you mentioned, another 100 billion dollars. That's on top of a 200 billion dollar. Buybacks they've already made since 200 since 2013. There are only 75 companies that are their entire market cap. Aaron is greater than 100 billion, and Apple is buying back another 100 billion dollars worth of stock. Pocket change. Um, so I think what made this quarter really stand out was the fact that they were. They only sold about 3% more iPhones, but through the iPhone 10, they were able to significantly raise yep. prices. Um, and I think. That's also a reason to continue optimistic because that's something that will continue over time. Right now, Apple is sort of in this period where it's not really about selling devices to more people as much. It's about using the 1.3 billion active devices already out there and all the people who use that and figure out how to sell them more services, yep. sell them the smartwatch or the AirPods, um, and make the 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 sales per active customer essentially go up. Right now, it's, I think, about $30 if you take out like the actual hardware cost, but I have a feeling that's going to go higher from here. So, do you think they've hit a limit in what they can charge for the iPhone? Because the average selling price of an iPhone for this last quarter was around $728. No, I don't think so. I mean, like the the aptitude. I mean, even in China, where the iPhone 10 was a monster success, and there was a lot, there's tons of competition in China. So, they're, they're seeing success there. Um, there were a lot of doubts going into the quarter that the iPhone Aaron mentioned the numbers were only up about three percent, um, and there were expectations they'd be maybe a little bit higher. Uh, so I think there's some concern that that they maybe they're topping out at that upper market, but I don't think so. I mean, just think about what they are building with the ecosystem that Aaron mentioned. I think there still is room for them to continue to push that level. They also have to be recognized. They have to recognize. That they're, they're, the competition is definitely out there, especially from the um, from the competitors coming from China. And guys, we talked about the share buyback. We all know that companies notoriously are bad at timing their share buybacks. So, as an investor, how should I feel about Apple buying back 100 billion in stock? 
Well, I think for Apple, this is something that they do all the time now, anyway. So it's less. And that's a, a big number. It is a huge number, <laughs> uh, but I don't know if it's as much a matter of timing, and it's just as much like this is more the Apple status quo. Um, I, I do think that at a point, like when this is what you're doing with all of your cash, you do have to question like whether you are. The company is buying back tons of stock when it doesn't have better things to do. So, so maybe timing-wise, could be a problem. But I think overall, like it's a pretty tremendous move. I mean, that's a good point because uh, the the stock for Apple at you know a nine hundred billion dollar market cap, the company, um, there, there's a lot of value characteristics in this business now, and they have two hundred and sixty-seven billion dollars of cash on the balance sheet. That they will be able to deploy when they start bringing a lot of it back from overseas, plus the dividends. So, uh, I think the expectations are that they will continue to have these monstrous. I mean, they bought back 25% of the company over the last few years. So, uh, if they can do that, especially at opportune times, um, which they have done in the past few years when the stock was was you know at a hundred less than a hundred dollars a share, uh, I think the investors will recognize that. But investors also have to understand that's the kind of company that Apple is now. Okay, so going forward, what's your biggest question, or what's one thing you're looking at with Apple going forward? I like the the services business. I mean, how big can that be? It's fifteen percent of the revenues right now. It was a great quarter for them, up thirty percent, thirty one percent. I I really want to see how that's. There's really a lot of lock in recurring revenue with that um, business. So I want to see how large that can get. Yeah, I'd scope it out slightly larger. Just say revenue per customer, which could include services, but also would include other devices. Just how much can they squeeze out of the people that they already have? Guys, a rough. Rough day for Snap. Shares down around 18% at the time of our taping after earnings. Um, Snap is the parent company of the video messaging app Snapchat. And Snapchat warned investors that revenue growth would, quote, decelerate substantially. That doesn't sound good, Aaron. And you mix in the concerns over Snap's recent redesign. What is an investor to do about Snap? Go to Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at this point, Facebook is running laps around Snap, especially if Snap's going to be significantly decelerating the revenue growth. And we should add that Facebook owns Instagram. Yes, this is true. So, I mean, if you look at this quarter, um, Snap did gain a decent amount of users, but once again, and this I think is a this is pretty crazy. Its free cash flow was more negative than its revenue was positive, and that's a really tough spot to be in. And so, when I look at Snap, uh, I see two main problems. They have an advertising problem and a money-making problem, (laughs) which is almost—it's just comically sad, right? Because that's the two things they need to get right. So if you look at like an advertising problem, the main place Snap could sell ads well is stories. The redesign hasn't helped. Um, They've proven far more seasonal than they should be of a company growing at this scale. Instagram Stories is running circles around them, and if you go onto the platform, the ads feel pretty forced. Um, So I think there's still big questions there. And then for the money making problem, Snap is just burning so much cash. Like that's a really big problem, and it'll take time to get out of. The best way to do it is through revenue growth, scaling over your marginal costs, but. There are problems there, and the other part is on the expense side. They laid off a hundred people or so a month yeah. or so ago. Um, I don't know if they'll do more of that, but they definitely will have to rein in expense control and dilution. Dilution, uh, they diluted shareholders seven percent from this quarter from last quarter, and so that's the kind of trajectory we're on. So things are not looking very great. That's a lot different than Apple that's buying back all its stock. So, Aaron, I'm going to call you skeptical about Snap. 
Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not. Aaron mentioned the advertising problem. That really comes from the user problem. I mean, daily active users up 15% year over year and 2% sequentially. For a company with high growth expectations, when your revenue is growing 54% this past quarter, that's down from like 200% this year, this quarter last year. That's about what Facebook is doing. So when you're competing against a company that is gigantically so much more impressive right now, that investors just look at that and say, and especially when they say, "Listen, the rest of the year is not going to be good," and the entire first part of the conference call is really talking about the user experience and all the changes they've been trying to make and how they have that has not worked. Investors do not like that, and they'll sell that stock down as they have aggressively today. Okay, so your growth is slowing rapidly. Yeah. You've got, as Aaron says, a money-making problem, and oh yeah, you're competing. With Facebook. So here's the question. At some point, does this become a value play? I mean, is that all baked in? And if they just if they do anything positive, the stock starts going up, or is this trying to catch a falling knife? Well, it's interesting because you know, Facebook, after its IPO, and it came out at about $38, ran up, and then they started running into all the problems like, hey, they don't have a mobile platform, and the stock fell all the way back down to the into the low 20s. Good and there time was to a buy. lot of questions <laughs> about like what is going on with Facebook. They've missed this monetization opportunity, and that was turned out to be a great problem to have. I just don't see that. Evan Spiegel and Robert Murphy are the co-founders, they own 35% of the company. I mean, that's a substantial amount of equity into the business. I just don't see because of the big competitive pressures that Snap is facing across the board. I'm just not as excited about that as I would have been for Facebook. Yeah, I think right now it's a, fall, a falling knife. Maybe at some point it becomes a value play. I think what Snap has in its large user base and its dedicated user base, they still average user still spends about 30 minutes a day on Snap. That's that's still really impressive. Um, maybe one trick they might have in, up their sleeve is Tencent, which now owns, I forget the exact percentage, but they've been buying more of the company. And Tencent is the master of like all social media companies with WeChat and figuring out how to get people engaged through different means. Um, maybe they could share some of their magic with Snap, but I think that, that still might be a far-fetched hope. Okay, guys, well, let's move on and talk some crypto. Investment bank GP Bullhound. What a great name. <laughs> GP Bullhound. I am not making that up. It's a boutique investment firm. Is warning that crypto is headed for a 90% correction, leading to a quote, mass market wipeout. Okay, Aaron, you are our resident crypto expert. Is crypto headed for a 90% correction? Possibly. So just to, just to, <laughs> to frame up, uh, where the market is right now, um, it's worth about $420 billion. That's up significantly over the past couple years, but it's actually down about 50% or so from um, the, the crazy highs of December or January. Um, but still, $420 billion to me, that seems far larger than the value that's actually been created so far. So, from that perspective, um, things still seem pretty hyped. and. Um, when I look out at the market, I see a small handful of promising ideas, a giant sea of garbage, and a lot of <laughs> infrastructural problems that still need to be solved, and that takes time. I was going to say the same thing, Aaron. That's exactly right. I mean, like there's just there are hundreds of, of different tokens out there created, and um, uh, the market opportunity for the business seems to be just vast. 
but they have just i mean you can't deal with transactions of a few second a few transactions per second and operate in the in the in the space that you want to for a, for a, a, a currency and for a transaction business they they have operational challenges that the crypto world has to get it over first okay so i want to go back to something that you just said Aaron about this giant sea of garbage and this small handful of companies that could be successful how do I invest? If I'm interested in this space, how should I invest in crypto? Sure. So, first of all, I think it's important to understand that there still are a few very powerful crypto native ideas. And so, the very first thing I would do is just look for big ideas. Not Don't look for things that just kind of plug in somewhere or already exist and can just be made um, through with a token, for example. But think of things that are native to crypto that could actually become multi-billion, if not trillion dollar markets. So, I think that's a good place to start. There are very few markets like that. When it comes to investing tenants that I think are useful in narrowing down what is garbage, what might have value, um, first, don't invest in white papers. Invest in teams who quickly ship code for tech that people actually want and use. Which sounds so obvious, like invest in things people use, um, and that actually exists to some degree. But actually, like a ton of white papers where nothing like fully exists that works yet, they're being traded at billion-dollar valuations, which is crazy, and I don't think that's sustainable. So I would just say raise the bar for what you're. Uh, for what you look for in terms of like the the technical merit of things. Second, I would look for passionate communities. Even if prices fall, um, passionate open source teams don't. And so market weakness in in an open source world counterintuitively pushes these teams to work harder. Um, and that's really important. Just these are open source projects. And then um, third, I would just say um, controversy is actually interesting when those first two points are met. Because that that shows that there is something worth fighting for, and there's inherently value in that. Okay, guys. Well, speaking of passionate communities and controversy, let's talk Facebook. Facebook is getting into the online dating business. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg says the new service is meant to help people find quote long-term relationships rather than hookups. The opt-in feature will match users with people they're not already connected to on the site. And let's talk about the response from Match. Match, which owns dating sites Tinder, Match.com, OkCupid, and Plenty of Fish. I'm not even sure what that is. Plenty of Fish. Um, but shares of Match falling more than 20% on this Facebook news. Andy. What do you think? I mean, that's not surprising. Match is a ten billion dollar company, so when the the biggest, baddest um, social network in the world comes, you know, um, knocking on your door, the, the investors are going to get a little bit worried and say, um, uh, "Hey, what's going on with um, the prospects of Match now?" But I mean, the, you know, there are hundreds of millions of, of single people on Facebook. Uh, it's the most connected um, uh, network out there. This is by this is not a surprise. I mean, like this is just an opportunity that that Mark Zuckerberg is looking at. The, the timing is a little interesting. I mean, considering all of Facebook's um, privacy with connections um, has stirred up in the past uh, few months. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more personal really than like your you know your your romantic life. So um, how how uh, f how Facebook uh, users react to this and from the trust perspective will still meant to be seen. 
But you know, there's there's there are a huge opportunity for Facebook to make those connections. That's what they that's what they exist for. And certainly, Match you know um, is is probably looking at this and saying, oh wow, that's interesting. I mean, the Match the Match CEO had some very interesting comments. Um, uh, she she had mentioned um, on Twitter when she said, "We're flattered that Facebook is coming into our space and sees the global opportunity that we do as Tinder continues to skyrocket." We're surprised at the timing, given the amount of personal and sensitive data that comes with this territory. So a little like uh, you know, yeah, a little uh, <laughs> throwing said, shade said back to uh, Matt. You know, because in 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 the, uh, that piece that you read from Zuckerberg, um, Mac, he does mention the whole like, concept of hookup, which you know, Match may have looked at that and said, you know, we're we're, we're not just a hookup, um, you know, society at, at Tinder. So. Yeah, I mean, just as a thought experiment, apart from digital advertising and the effect that that had on media, has Facebook created any new product that fundamentally changed an industry? Um, I can't really think of much. Maybe marketplace internationally and and some emerging markets, but apart from that, I don't think Facebook has had much success branching out of just its advertising business and getting. into like away from stories and news feeds. So I am a little bit skeptical. I think they definitely have large numbers on their side, but how they frame it up is probably just going to be this is the one way that Facebook will handle dating. When if you look at something like Match, they have tons of brands because different people search for different things mm-hmm. um, in their dating sites. Um, so, so I don't know. I'm a little skeptical, but it's a big opportunity. I also wonder if just everyone will want to have all of that much data in their lives that tied into one platform. We tie a lot into Facebook, but this does seem to be just go that one extra little step. Yeah, but this does seem like a more logical offshoot of what they're doing already. I mean, they're great at connecting people. So this seems like, you know what, this kind of makes sense, especially if they can find a way to do it. And it sounds like they're going to do it in a very different way than like Match and Tinder. On the other hand, we were talking before the show, and I was asking colleagues on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like a positive force for good and one being the worst thing ever, where do you think Facebook nets out? for established relationships, marriages, partnerships. And both of these people said three. Uh, see, I would have gone the other more of a negative force. And one said that it allows you to like it allows people to reconnect with like old flames and that, that leads to higher divorce, which Facebook has cited in a lot of divorce filings. And the other person was talking about how it's just a big distraction. So if you're married and one person's really into Facebook and one's not, yeah. then it just consumes all your time. So what do you think? Facebook as a force for Relationship, good or evil? I, I'll take the higher end of that. I'll say a six. <laughs> I'll say a six. I mean, I just think it allows people to be connected more to their families in general, and that's probably a good thing. But yeah, certainly. And the, the whole idea that Facebook is cited in different cases. I mean, there's a, what one and a half billion people who use Facebook. Two billion people use Facebook. I mean that's a that's a huge network. So You're just, questioning my stats. Yeah, well, just the, yeah, just the law of averages will have people citing Facebook. Fair point. I don't know. I might go four, three or four, wow. um, just because I don't know. I think people are sometimes overreactive to seeing people communicate with others on Facebook, especially if you look at like messages and stuff yep. where it gets more personal. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's definitely a mix. I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go four, um, and because I also think there's a lot of Facebook envy. I mean, I think we probably all know people who they have to post like the picture of their perfect yeah. meal and their perfect dog and their perfect picture, and that's just nauseating. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, let's let's bring it down a notch. Let's let's show life as it really happens. Yeah. You know, me chasing after our rescue beagle who's doing awful things in the backyard. I mean, that's what I want to say on Facebook. <laughs> that was me last night chasing my golden all around the neighborhood. <laughs> that's good. See, put that on Facebook. It, nobody it, wants it, to see that. Not on Facebook, nobody wants to see that. Even on Facebook, no one cares. Okay, okay. Well, it's just a thought. Okay, so I want to wrap up with my incredibly arbitrary desert island question. And I know it's unfair, but I want to say over the next five years, if you had to pick one of the investments we had talked about and you had to hold it on this desert island, Apple, Snap, Facebook, or I'm going to give you a crypto basket. What do you think? What are you going with over the next five years? How big is the basket? Aaron, how big is it? <laughs> how big is it? How many? Just, how many? I don't like, just ten stocks? Mar- market weighted all of them index. Yes, that. I'll go. I'll take the crypto. Wow, really? I'm not taking crypto. Actually, <laughs> um, I'm probably going to choose Facebook. Yeah. Okay. So crypto and Facebook. I think yeah, Facebook's an awfully large company. Yeah, I think and so I'm, is Apple too. I think I'm going Facebook. I think the Facebook dating thing is going to be a home run. I predict. All right, there you go. We'll you see. have it. Okay, guys, Andy, Aaron, thanks for joining me. This is where you say you're welcome. Thanks, Mac. <laughs> thanks, Mac. <laughs> As always, God, what happened to just civility and decency? Oh my gosh. Facebook, Facebook killed it. Okay, let's try that one more time, and we're going to leave all this in. Andy, Aaron, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>